you are a great God. Indeed, you are a powerful God. Father, we thank you so much for the blessings that we have around us through the creation, Father, that um, is shown us, Father, and you demonstrate to us each and every day. We thank you so much for the love that you pour out on us each and every day, Father, your grace and your providence, Father. We know that it's all from you and no, there's no one who has uh, that power except you. Amen. And we praise you, Father, for what you've done and continue to do for us in our lives. Mm. Pray that as we spread your message, Father, that you can help those listening, that be able to touch their hearts and to be able to realize and be with, be united with their God as they were meant to be. And we pray that uh, all these lessons, Father, will help open their eyes, Father, so that they can come closer to you. This is what we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Good evening, everyone watching me from wherever you are. Uh, once again, this is your brother, Paul Orphan, coming to you live on Ben Yass and also on Ben uh, Paul Orphan teaching or preaching. And some people can also take me from YouTube and uh, podcast, which is audio, and uh, Radio Republic, which is also audio only. Uh, if this is the first time that you are joining me, uh, I welcome you in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that you stay blessed. Greetings from me and my family to you. I hope you enjoy our song. All that we meant to say in the song is, Oh Lord my God, when I look at the heavens, the skies, when I look at the forest, the birds that sings on the tree, when I look at everything that surrounds us, I see the great work of you, and I praise your holy name. How great thy are. How great thy are. Brothers and sisters, once again, we've met again. Last week, uh, we were discussing this topic that we didn't finish. Uh, we started about two weeks ago, and the topic is creation and evolution. Which one do we rely on? And which one is telling us how the universe began and how man also began? One is telling us, that is the creation is telling us that the universe got evolved, that it came from nowhere and just bang, and then it started evolving. So is man also evolved gradually from, you know, uh, what do you call it, amoeba, and then turning to the uh, lower animals gradually, and then we evolve from chimpanzees. Now, this is the story of, uh, what do you call it, uh, evolution. Whereas creation is telling us that it's God who created everything that we can see. Now, how do we prove this too? How do we prove this too? Now, before I start, let me make a little announcement. I don't normally do this, but it helps you. Uh, if you are uh, a Ghanaian living in abroad, anywhere, and you are sending a car to Ghana, and you want uh, a clearing agent to do that for you, I recommend one of our sisters. Um, 
who is a Christian sister who does this job. So all the Churches of Christ members, if you are in abroad and you want to send car to Ghana, uh, this sister's name is Juliet Amwako, and she has a company, and the company name is Sandy Test Company Limited. Sandy Test is S-A-D-E-Y-T-E-X, Company Limited. It's opposite Meridian Hotel in Accra, Hubble Road, and they are in the building, that is G-I-F-F building, room number 203, that is Tema. Now, the telephone number I will tell you, in case you want to send cars to Ghana or any equipment, anything at all, you want a clearing agent. Uh, I can testify this because uh, she has done a good job for me. That is why I'm recommending her to you. Her telephone number or the company telephone number, if you are uh, calling Ghana, you know you have to uh, use plus two three three, uh, and the number is two zero nine six seven seven one seven five, or another line plus two three three. That is two four three nine two four three six seven. So if you want to send anything to Ghana, you can contact this Christian lady. Who will do it fast for you now we're going to continue our lesson creation or evolution which one can we rely upon if we say it is creation it means we have to dump evolution it has nothing to do with us and if we prove and it is evolution then there is no god at all why are we wasting our time so that when you die you die and gone and you don't come back again and that is the end of you right so, which one is correct that we can rely upon? Now, last week, we're talking about, you know, uh, how uh, the universe was made, that is, from creation point of view. We've already checked from evolution point of view in part one, and we have found out that, in fact, what evolution is telling us uh, you, you cannot prove anything at all. To me, I say it is not even theory. It's just hypothesis. Because theory is something, hypothesis that has been proven. And all scientists, you know, can say that, well, this is correct. You can test it and find out that this is, you know, true. But you cannot prove evolution because the stages of evolution, according to the evolutionate, saying that it takes billions of years for thing, evolutionary process to, you know, go on. So how do you test this? Who is going to live to even one million years to even say that, well, I've seen some changes, so this is true. So we cannot rely on evolution at all. Now, so what is left for us is to, uh, uh, you know, uh, critically examine what the scripture or the Bible is telling us. Whether the world and you and I were created, right? Whether the world and you and I were created, that is what we are, you know, looking at it now. And last week, uh, from, you know, creation point of view, we started by saying that in the beginning, God created the heavens and the universe, right? And then we saw that uh, he made everything. God made it, right? Including making the sun, and putting a tent over the uh, over the sun 
to protect us, which we now find it, the science have now found it to be the ozone layer. Right. Now, if this is the first time, please, after this video, trying to look for part one and two of this. That is creation versus evolution. Okay? You can get it through this link that you are watching. That is Paul Offin Preaching or Ben Yaps. And you can also get it from YouTube, okay, uh, platform. And also you can, you know, if you want the audio version, you'll get it from Radio Republic or um, the other one. I'll tell you later on. Now, the question we have to answer is, how did we get the accurate account on both evolution and creation? Now, evolution is telling you this. Creation is telling you this. Now, who was there to record all these accounts? That's what we want to find out today. That's what we find out today. Have you ever even considered that? What evolution is saying? How did we get that information? Who was there to record the process of these evolution? I mean, who lived for even about one million years to see all this process, you know, getting wrong to prove that well, what evolution is saying is right. And also the creation. Well, if the Bible is saying that the universe and everything in it were created, who was there and saw it being done? All that we have heard from the Bible is God created heaven and earth. How did that happen? That is what we're trying to find out today. So first, let's begin with evolution. Let's consider evolution. Now, according to evolutionists, the universe began about 13 Listen well, about 13.8 billion years ago. It's not million, billion years ago. I don't know how to write that figure. But that is what evolution is telling us, that the universe began this year. Okay? And it began as a tiny, dense fireball that exploded. And then they further, you know, say that life then began on earth about 3.8 billion years ago. So which means when the universe started, there was no life till about 10 billion years before life started to evolve from it. So that is what they are trying to you know, tell us. Now, where did I get this information? This is plain on the internet, just Google, okay? The age of the universe, uh, uh, as far as you know, create, uh, uh, evolution is concerned, it will tell you. Now, this is not a story at all. Now, how did we know that this, that they are telling us is true? And therefore, uh, we can, you know, uh, find out that these evolutionary uh, events are accurate and then reliable. How did we know? Note that there is no machine or computer to play back the events of the past. We don't have that machine yet. If... Is going to be done, maybe <laughs> we are waiting for that. The machine that can play back, you know, the event that happened when no one recorded it. So, how do we get the information evolution is telling us? Now, listen, Charles Darwin, who engineered all this kind of theory, was born in 1809, February 1809. But he is telling us the event of 13.8 billion years. How did he know that? How do we know this is true? And how do we prove this? 
We try in part one to see how we can prove this evolution. There's nothing to use to prove it. Okay, there is nothing to you to prove the event that happened 13.8 billion years, except just one way, one option, only one option left. That is by a supernatural means or a divine means. There's only a divine intervention that, you know, can help us to find out what happened in the past, which nobody recorded it. But since evolutionists do not accept these means, it leaves us with nothing but to reject this theory and dump it in the gutters. There's no need to waste our time. You understand? As I said in the other time, if this theory was proposed by maybe somebody from poor countries like, you know, the Africa and those areas, this would have been dumped by now. But because where this is coming from, and people are making money of it, you understand? They are teaching this lesson to even a PhD degree. And people are holding on to this, they call it a theory. It is not. So, there's nothing we can use to prove this, except by a divine means. But evolution doesn't accept that. Okay. So let's now put that aside and consider the creation. Let's also consider the creation. Now, you know, skeptics of the Bible question how Moses could record the accurate event of the beginning if he had not been born. You are saying it's Moses who wrote in the beginning God created and God did da 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 da. da. Where was Moses? Moses was not born. So how did Moses get to know this? That is what we are trying to find. You see, as we did to evolution, we are going to examine and critique these creation events and find out if it is something that we can rely upon. Now we know that evolution, we cannot rely on evolution because it is telling us nothing. Even the age of the universe, evolutionists are saying that is about 13.8 billion years. Let's go to the Bible and, 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 and see what the age of the universe is from the Bible or biblical point of view. Now, creationists believe the age of the universe is between 6 to 10,000 years. So this means this universe is very young, comparing to 13.8 billion years, right? If the, the uh, 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 comparing to that, our universe is young. Right. Now, how did we know this? Why is this the, 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 the Bible? Now, this is not written anywhere in the Bible that the earth or the universe is about 6,000 years. It's not. So how did we get to know this? Why is uh, creationists are dependent on this age? Now, examining the genealogical records and a chronological arrangements of the scripture we got to know this why what is a genealogical record what is genealogy this is a line of descent traced continuously from ancestors so my great 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 grandfather okay gave birth to my great great grandfather and my great great grandfather gave birth to my great grandfather 
My great-grandfather gave birth to my father, and my father gave birth to me. Now, if you are calculating from my great-great-grandfather up to me, if you know the ages, I can calculate the age between my great-great-great-grandfather and me. Very simple. So, and that is what we call genealogical, you know, records. And then we have chronological. These are the arrangements of events of this in the order of occurrence. So something happened, and then you can calculate the time the other thing happened, and then from there. And between these two records, we are able to calculate the age of this universe that we live. You understand? And if you want to know, Genesis chapter 5 begins this record. Genesis chapter 5 tells you the first man who was created, his name is Adam. When Adam is 190 years, right? When Adam was 190 years, he gave birth to Seth. And Seth, okay, when he gave birth to Seth, Adam lived for another 800 years before he died. So the total years from the creation when he was created to the time he died was one hundred uh, 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 nine hundred and thirty years because Adam, sorry, Adam was one hundred and thirty when he gave birth to Seth, and Seth also was one hundred and five when he gave birth to Enos, and Enos was ninety when he gave birth to Kenan, and Kenan also gave birth to Mahalalel. So you can calculate all these ages, okay? People have done a good job calculating all these ages to when it got to Moses. Now between the creation and Moses is about 2,500 years, right? And from Moses to our Lord Jesus Christ is about 1,500 500 years. So combining the two, we have about 4,000 years. From Jesus Christ, we started dating. Up to this time, and from Jesus up to this time, we are in 2000, right, and 21 years. So, combining it, you can see that you can calculate the age, and you can get little over 6,000 years. Evolution tells you that 13.8 billion years, and they have nothing to calculate to arrive by that age. And you believe this. Now, if you go by Bible genealogy, which is all the records are there, and find out, you can calculate the age of this. So that is how we know that this universe is not even uh, a million years, one million years, or 100,000 years, but just a little over 6,000 years. Now, if you compare this to these billions they are talking about, it's nowhere near. So what? What we are going to do is, we have to also prove what the Bible is telling us about this, evolu uh, about this you know, creation. Once again, as I stated earlier, with, regarding, uh, with regards to evolution, there is nothing to use to prove the events that happened over 6,000 years ago, right? That is the creation in the beginning. There's nothing 
There was nobody there. In fact, Adam, we are told in the Bible that he was created on the sixth day. So the first day, second day, third day after the sixth day, what happened? There was no human life. So who recorded it? That's what we are trying to find. Right. That's why we are trying to find. If there was no life, there was no man to recall this, then it left us with only one option. And that option is by a supernatural means or a divine means. That's it. Other than that, there's nothing that we can do to get the beginning of what happened. Now, what is natural, supernatural or uh, a divine means? Now, Paul tells us in 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 16, and this is what Paul says. Paul says, all scripture is given by inspiration of God. Now, what do you mean by scripture? This Bible we call the Holy Bible. Paul says, is given by the inspiration of God. What does that mean? Peter then explained further what inspiration of God means. And Peter says, I'm reading from 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 20 to 21. Peter says, Knowing this, for uh, knowing this first of all, that no prophecy of scripture comes from someone's own interpretation. It means everything written in this scripture did not come by human's interpretation. Well, how did we get it? For no prophecy was ever produced by the will of man. Hmm. But men spoke from God as they were carried along by the Holy Spirit. So when we say the scripture is from the inspiration of God, what the Bible say or explain it is the people who wrote the Bible, they didn't write it from their own mind. They were being influenced by the Holy Spirit. So for instance, everything that Moses wrote, Moses has no idea what he was writing. The God inspired him. The Holy Spirit tells him the event that happened before he was born. Now, between creation, the first day that uh, the, the, the universe and uh, you know, uh, life were created, to Moses, I told you earlier on, it's about 2,500 years. But Moses was able to record everything vividly, accurately, because he was moved by the Holy Spirit. And that is what we say, this it, uh, will be only by a divine means. Other than that, you cannot record something, even that happened yesterday, that was not recorded. If we have that machine, the police will not even struggle, and you yourself will not struggle. Because you bring the machine, the machine start to play back what happened. But if it's not recorded, but Moses was able to give you accurate account because he was moved by the Spirit. Now, when a man is influenced by the Spirit of God, he is able to record the past events, the present, and also the future events. And these are the people we call the prophets. 
So Moses was a prophet. It's not only the past events that Moses recorded. He recorded the events that will happen after his death. He even recorded that. Now, if you read Revelation chapter 1, verse 10 and verse 19, I'll tell you something. John the Apostle, he was also moved by the Holy Spirit. Now, listen, if you read Revelation 1.10, John says, I was in the Spirit on the Lord's day, and I heard behind me a loud voice like trumpet. Right? Who said to me, now, go to verse 19, Revelation 1.19, he said to me, write therefore things that you have seen, and those that are, and those that are to take place after this. So, things you have seen is past, those are is present, those are to take place is future. So, because he had the Spirit of God on him, he's able to recall the past events, the present, and the future events. And this is what we call the inspiration of God. God can tell you what happened in 10,000 uh, years to come, or what happened 4,000 years ago, where no one was there to record. He can reveal to you. That is why I'm saying this is the only means we can know whether these uh, uh, creation that Moses recorded was accurate or not. Now, the third point is Paul also made this clear to the Corinthian brethren when he wrote to them with regard to what he is writing to them. Okay, 1 Corinthians chapter 14 verse 34, Paul says, If anyone thinks that he is a prophet or a spiritual, he should acknowledge that the things I'm writing to you are the commands of the Lord, not for me. Which means Paul wrote the thing for them, but he was not writing from his own mind. He was influenced by God to write the things that he wrote. That is why you don't joke, you don't joke with the things in the Bible. It's, from, it's not from the people's mind. Sometimes I, I listen to the people call themselves common sense people. And the way they ridicule the Bible, I'm so sorry for them. It's because they don't know. And I want to prove to them, if you know any of them, please send this message to them. If they know it probably as you, they wouldn't be in the position they find themselves now. Probably they don't know. They are just misled by this man called Avram de Moshe. They've been misled. But my brother Avram may be one day risen and come to his senses. Right. The Bible is not written from man's imagination. Now we prove that and then you see. Now, to rely on God's inspiration or divine writings, these spiritual things have to manifest in our life, in our lives, or they have to be verified or proven. I'm saying this is divine intervention. And so what? There are some people who don't understand even what you mean by divine intervention. Though we're using the Bible to explain it. That divine intervention is when people write. Though you see a man sitting there writing, but he is not himself writing. He's been led by the Spirit of God to pen down what he's doing. And that is what we say from the inspiration of God, from the breath of God. And they put it down. Now, 
I'm saying that if these divine writings cannot manifest in our lives because we want to find, see, or cannot be verified or proven by man, then we need to reject it. What is divine writing if we don't see? Now, how do we prove these divine writings? Let me tell you, there are many things divinely written down in the scriptures which have later been proven by scientists to be true. Do you know? I'm just going to give you only three. There are so many in the Bible, but I'll give you only three. And watch this. Now, the first one we read from Psalms, 13, uh, Psalms 19, 1 to 6. But verse 6 tells you that when God created the heaven and skies, he put the sun there. And then he put something called a tent to cover the sun so that we don't feel the harmful effect of the sun, the heat of the sun. Do you know that when the Bible says this, the writer, that the psalmist, did not know what he's talking about. Because there's no science. Nobody has proven that there's something covering the sun. But divinely, God revealed to the writer. But do you know that later on, this has been proven to be the ozone layer that covered the sun to protect humans from the harmful effect of the sun? The Bible is a wonderful book. Please don't doubt it. It is in the Bible. Before scientists were able to find out what is called the ozone layer, Bible has already penned it down. Point number two. Do you know that it was the Bible that tells man that the earth that we live on is hanging on nothing? Hanging on nothing. It's just hanging like that. Okay. When I do that, it draws. But the earth is just hanging on nothing. Do you know it is recorded in the Bible? Now, this was later discovered by scientists that this is true. But that has been some thousands of years before science was able to prove that indeed the earth is hanging on nothing. Now, we all you know, did small science when you do the solar system. If you have not done that, if you watch television, you see these round, round balls, okay? The Mars, Venus, uh, Jupiter, and blah, 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 blah. They all sitting on nothing. They are just hanging. And you see, Job knew this because God revealed to him. And this is what we call, I mean, supernatural or a divine intervention. He was divinely, you know, revealed to so that he can pen it down. And science has proven this to be true, that the earth is hanging on nothing. Now, the third one I will give you, there are many, but because of time, the third one I give you is that, do you know when you read Isaiah chapter 40, verse 22, God also revealed to Isaiah, and Isaiah said, the God who created the heaven and earth is sitting on a secular earth. A circle, the earth that is circle. So the Bible tells us that the earth is circle, a globe. Before science was able to find out this is true. You see, before science thought that the earth was flat. So if you walk, you get to somewhere, maybe you fall. 
But the Bible says it's a secular. And now, science has proven this to be correct. Why do you doubt the Bible? And you, you, you want these, my brother Abraham Ben Moshe, to just mislead you. The Bible is the inspired word of God you have to listen to. Now, I said, there's no way we can prove what happened at the beginning because of creation, because nobody was there. The only way is by, I mean, supernatural means, or by a divine revelation. And then we also say that if there's a divine revelation, it, it doesn't mean anything to us if it cannot reflect in our life or it cannot be proven. But we have, I have been able to tell you about three divine revelations in the scriptures where signs have proven to be true. Why do you doubt the Bible? My brothers and sisters, and this is how Moses was able to record accurately the events that happened in the beginning, right? And it tells, uh, it tells you in details what happened in day one, day two, day three, day four, the way the, the, the universe was formed, how animals came, how the water, how old, so loves. I mean, God is not hiding anything from humans. But you see, people are still stiffing their necks. They don't want to listen to. My brothers and sisters, let me add this, then maybe we break for the day. Now, after knowing how these things were recorded accurately in the Bible, the Bible explains why there is, you know, we, we're going to talk about uh, a design in God's creation, okay? Last week, we started the design in the heaven and the skies and how the, uh, the, the sun is created and put a, uh, the, uh, the, the blanket or the ozone layer to protect us. Now we're going to talk about uh, design in the seas and the land. And then the last one we will discuss is the design in the human body, right? So why do we have the sea and the land? And what is the design in the sea and the land? Now, if you read Genesis chapter 1, verse 10, verse 9 to 10, in the third day, or on the third day, God created the sea and the land. Remember, first day, he created heaven and earth. There was the, the heaven and earth had no form. Everything was just like that. And God said, let there be light. And there was light. And God separated the, 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 the heavens from the earth. So now we got the earth, but the earth was made with water and ground, and you, you, you don't even see the form. So on the third day, what God said is, let the waters that are mixed with the land, let the waters under the heavens gather together to one place, and let the dry land appear. Hallelujah. That is how we got the dry land that I'm sitting on now. And it was so. And God called the dry land earth, depending on the version you're using. God the dry land earth, and the waters that were gathered uh, together, he called it the seas. That's how we have the sea too. And God saw that it was good that he made this. Now, 
What is the importance of the land of the sea to us? Now, because God moved all the water to where you call it the sea, the land became very dry. By that time, there was no vegetation, no plants, and no animal because there's no plants, no animals. Because if the animals are there, what are they going to eat? They're going to die. No plants, no animal. And the land was very dry. So do you know God's wisdom, what he did? When he moved all the water to the sea, he left some of the water underground. So to the inland lands, okay, they also need water for their vegetation and everything. So water was left underground. And today, if you dig the underground, you find water. Hallelujah. And you have to know all these, God did not make it for Jesus' show. For you and me, he designed the land, put water under it. Now, if you read Genesis chapter 2, verse 4 to 6, listen here. So amazing. He says, these are the generations of the heavens and earth. When they were created, on the day that the Lord God made the earth and the heavens. Full stop. And he said, when no bush of the field was yet in the land, and no small plant of the field had yet sprang out, for the Lord had not caused the rains on the land. God has not made the rain to fall. So the land was so dry. So what did he do? Because he wanted to make vegetation come. Well, what God do is, and there was no man also to work on the ground. So what he did is, a mist was going up from the land and was watering the face of the ground. Hallelujah. So the water that is underground came out as a mist, right? A mist is so, I mean, like uh, uh, gaseous particles of water. And then they watered the land to make the land fertile. And do you know what God did? Let vegetation comes because the land is fertile for their growth. That is God's wisdom. And you are doubting this, saying that these are crap. You don't know what you're saying. The evolution that, evolution that you believe is not able to give you even one detail. They just said it. They just said 13.8 uh, uh, billion years. Nobody has proven it. Even that crap, you believe. No, believe the Bible. Don't doubt it. Now, so that is how, you know, the, the water underground came up. Now you can see these water underground, when you go to uh, uh, the ground that is very low, the water appears on the surface. So that is why you have the water bodies. When you come to the inlets, the water bodies there, we call them rivers and the stream and the lakes and all these things. They were all underground. So when it's the, the, the land that sink deep, you go and find these waters there. Right. Now, the last one that will amaze you is what he said. If you go to the bottom of the sea, you know, we all know seawater is salty, isn't it? But God said he put fresh water, we call the spring water, fresh water, at the bottom, deep down the bottom of the sea, you can get fresh water. Are you not amazed? Probably you say, Brother Paul, what are you talking about? Yes, it is written in the Bible. Is it true that you can get fresh water? Yes, science has proven it today as we are talking. That indeed what the Bible is saying is right. 
Don't doubt the Bible because it is an inspired word of God for you and I. Now, if you read Job chapter 38, verse 16, when Job was having trouble with all these things and his friends started to accuse him, Job was becoming uncomfortable, so he had to you know, put all the blame on God. And God questioned Job. He said, Job, what are you talking about? Do you know who laid the foundation of earth? Do you know who made this, who made that? And then he asked him a question. And that is where we're going to point from. Verse, 30, uh, verse 16 of Job chapter 38. He said, have you entered into the springs of the sea? Or what in the recesses of the deep? The spring of the sea. What is the spring of the sea? That is a fresh water in the sea. So deep down the sea, there's a fresh water there. Job wrote this down without knowing what he's writing about. Because that time there was nothing to prove. He was just the influence of divine intervention. He wrote it down. But you know what? Let me tell you. I found this interesting on the internet when I was studying it. It said, from the peer-reviewed journal scientific report, okay, in the U.S. of A, state that some scientists from Columbia University, University and the Woods Hole Oceanographic Institution spent 10 days on a research mission. And do you know what they find on the sea? Do you know what they find? They discovered subterranean pools stretching, okay, for at least 50 miles of the U.S. Antarctic coast, right? Uh, Atlantic coast, containing vast stores of low sanity ground water. They have had a ground water bottom of the sea, fresh water that you can drink. About the twice the volume of Lake Ontario. I don't know Lake Ontario, but I found it interesting. So I have to Google and find out uh, how wide the Ontario Lake is. And it tells me that it's about 18,960 kilometers square. That is the lake. And what they find under the bottom of the sea is about twice that. How did, Mo, uh, uh, how, how did uh, uh, what do you call it, uh, Job get to know this? That there's fresh water under the sea. That is true divine intervention, divine revelation. And this is what we call the inspired word of God. Right? So, you got to know it. My brothers and sisters, because of time, I have to pause here. But next week, we're going to talk little about, you know, the sea defense. And then we talk about the human body. How we see all these designs in it. And how God made it for you and me. Don't doubt it. Believe it. Please, if you want this message, continue to follow me. Okay, and uh, Paul of him preaching, Ben Yaps, Facebook, you can get it there. And also visit the Church of Christ in your country. Church of Christ is everywhere in the world. If you cannot find them, you are in any country, you just drop me a call through my WhatsApp number. Not a call, just test me. Tell me which country you are and I will show you. Church of Christ will help you to find the light, to see the truth 
and the truth will set you free and also help you uh, to prepare yourself for heaven. God bless you that you always listen to me. Please share my videos to as many as you can and God will continue to bless you. Bye-bye.